Hello and welcome back to Cinema at First Sight. It is officially episode 7. Does that mean anything? Not really, but we're back. We're currently in lockdown in Sydney, so this is officially the highlight of my week. Whether or not that's sad, open to interpretation. But we're gonna dive in. If this is your first time tuning in, then welcome. The premise of this podcast is that I will review a movie after watching its first half or review a TV show after watching its first episode and make a judgment call and guess what's going to happen based on as little information as possible. An uninformed guide to cinema, if you will. So, this week, I am watching the pilot episode of the new Amazon Prime original series called Panic. It's fairly new. And for some reason hasn't been promoted that much, even though it's the kind of teen trash show that I feel like would be overhyped everywhere. But nevertheless, I'm going to dive in. First question, is this a rewatch or is this a first time watch? As I said, it's pretty new, so it's a first time watch. Going in fresh. Before I get into my full-on analysis, I'm going to start with some basic plot points, which for me means literally going step-by-step through everything that happened in the pilot. So, the episode begins with some classic YA voiceover narration, where we learn that the teenagers in the small town of Carp in Texas have created a secret game. Every person in that year's graduating class put a dollar a day into some pot, and after graduation compete in a series of incredibly dangerous and incredibly stupid challenges such as playing Russian roulette and walking across a freeway blindfolded to win this big sum of money. The only rule? Don't panic. Hence the title of the show. Each year there are new players, new anonymous judges, and inevitably new victims because honestly how could there not be? And then cue the title card. We then get into the actual show and meet Heather, who's our protagonist, who doesn't seem to have the easiest life. She lives in a trailer park with her neglectful mum and younger sister and wants to get out of Carp ASAP, which despite the little we've seen of the town so far, seems completely understandable because it does not look like a great place to live. Small town toxicity meets very dusty roads. Despite wanting to leave, she does sensibly seem very against participating in the game, so has instead been working hard and saving up money to go to college. However, one day when she heads into work, her manager Danny tells her that he has to let her go, despite the fact that she's still $6,000 away from reaching her get-out-of-town savings goal. She tells her two sidekicks, Bishop and Natalie, about it, who offer to help her out with the rest, but she refuses and says that she'll work something out on her own a humble trooper. She then heads to a cafe and talks to a new guy in town, Dodge Mason, whose, spoiler alert, name is incredibly apt. He's just sketchy right off the bat and very, very intense and starts quizzing her about how panic works because for some reason he desperately wants to play. Heather warns him that the police try and stop the game every year and that you can potentially get in trouble for even watching, as you should because this game seems sick. Then finally, it seems like the games are actually about to begin. We cut to a very toxically masculine guy named Ray, played by Jack Nicholson's son, who dresses like he's from 1980 and also looks like he could have been born then too, who's hanging with his similarly toxic masculine crew until they're interrupted by a paper with some weird symbol on it that flies down onto their table. Apparently, this signals that the game is starting. 
Natalie calls Heather and tells her that panic has started and that she's going to participate in plans on winning. But Heather's really not here for it and says she's not even going to come and watch, which, absolutely fair. I also wouldn't want to stand around and watch my classmates die. I'd rather stay in. A random guy named Diggins is the host of Panic, and he announces that this year's grand prize is $50,000, and that the first challenge is the jump, which involves jumping off a hill edge into some lake water without hitting the rocks. The higher up the cliff's edge you jump from, the more points you get. Ray is the first to do the challenge, and unfortunately he doesn't die. Natalie's next, and even though she's nervous, she also doesn't die. And then, next up is Dodge from the cafe, who boldly jumps from a higher point without even flinching. I swear to god this kid's a psychopath. We then cut to Heather at home, who discovers that all of her savings are gone. She understandably freaks out and confronts her mother, who says that she indeed took the money because the car needed a new transmission. However, are we inclined to believe this? Not really, because the trailer is littered with empty beer cans and drug paraphernalia. They get in a massive argument that somehow doesn't end with Heather strangling her mother, kudos to her, but instead with her grabbing her keys and driving away. Heather heads to where the event is being held and tells Natalie that she's now participating in Panic because it's her only option. Before Heather can even explain what she means, Natalie just isn't here for it. She goes off at Heather and says that she wants to win, before Heather grabs a number and heads up the hill. She takes her time and seems pretty hesitant until, plot twist, she continues walking to the highest point known as the Devil's Drop. Everyone on the ground starts freaking out and even Diggins, the host, tells her that it isn't too late to turn around. But woman's on a mission. Heather states her name, takes a deep breath, and jumps off the edge. End of episode. A literal cliffhanger. As you can tell, this episode's pretty full on. There's a lot to unpack, so let's get started. First question, what are some of my favorite moments or moments that I consider to be most exciting or most pivotal? I think probably my favorite thing about the series is the stakes. They're melodramatically high, which means that I'm immediately in. The show itself doesn't even have to be clever or particularly well-written because the entire concept is just, for me, the perfect amount of trashy and unrealistically dramatic that it lures me in immediately. You also don't have to be super invested in the characters or anything else going on before being reeled in. There are some shows that rely on character backstory or potential character development or relationships to be compelling, but this definitely isn't one of them. The premise is the draw card for this. I'm not saying that the characters aren't interesting, I'm also not saying that they are, or that they're not going to get more interesting. I'm just saying that they're not the linchpin holding the show together. And then the most exciting moment, I guess it would have to be at the end when Heather jumps off the cliff. As I said, a literal cliffhanger. Who needs those pesky highfalutin metaphors when everything can just be as it seems? It gets you on the edge of your seat and also makes you want to watch the next episode immediately, which I haven't done yet, so please take a moment to appreciate my self-restraint. And then I guess the most pivotal moment would be Heather's mum stealing all of her money because it acts as the inciting incident for her to completely abandon her morals and change her mind about participating in the game. And then also the fact that she chooses to participate in Panic itself is pivotal because I'm just going to assume that that's what the rest of the show is going to center around. So moving on to the complete opposite, some of my least favorite moments or moments that I consider to be least exciting or least pivotal. 
Despite the fact that I just said it's the most pivotal moment, my least favourite moment is when we find out that Heather's mum stole her college money and used it to fix her car slash most likely buy drugs. It was brutal. It was absolutely gut-wrenching. Obviously completely necessary for the progression of the story, but one of the worst things a parent could do, which I'm going to delve into when I talk more about my least favourite characters, but oh my god, what a selfish move. And another one of my least favourite things is just the whole concept of the game of panic. It's stupid and really frustrating. Like, why do a bunch of teenagers decide that immediately after they finish high school, a challenging feat in itself, that they're going to potentially piss away the rest of their lives by engaging in life-threatening dangerous activities? I get the whole monetary incentive, and I think it's kind of cool that everyone pitches in a dollar a day and manages to save a bunch of money that gets awarded to someone, but can't it be like a scholarship fund for someone who really needs it? Or if they're feeling less altruistic because they're a bunch of self-involved 18-year-olds, can't the competition be something else? Literally anything else. Like a game of Jeopardy or something. It just feels unnecessary that everyone has to potentially die. But also at the same time, I recognise that the high stakes, life or death situations they're putting themselves in are literally the whole show. If everyone studied for a massive general knowledge quiz instead, that would be a way more boring and niche viewing experience. One that I personally would be into, but probably not to everyone's taste, and I can appreciate that. And least pivotal or least exciting moment? I don't think there are any, which is a sign of a solid pilot. As we've already established, the show has pretty high stakes, which means that everything so far has either been vital information about the game and its origins and its machinations, or unrelenting action, and therefore all absolutely necessary. Now, moving on to favourite characters, this spoiler alert is a pretty small category for me. The only character I have listed is Heather, followed by, I guess? We know her the best, seeing as she's the narrator and main character, but also at the same time we don't really know much about her at all. She's not particularly interesting, but she's likeable enough, and I guess I can sympathise with the fact that she's got a hard life. Like, her mum, absolutely not it. Her financial situation in general, less than ideal. So you feel sorry for her, and most importantly, you understand her motivations for joining Panic, which at this point is really all you need. As I said, the show isn't a complicated and nuanced intellectual character study. It's just a kind of trashy young adult action series that isn't in a dissimilar vein to dystopian franchises like The Hunger Games and Divergent, just on a way smaller, less blockbustery, small town American scale. So at this point, the fact that I'm not particularly invested in any of the characters doesn't really bother me. I don't care that I don't care. However, I am invested in hating some particular characters, which brings me to my next category, least favourite characters. Number one, got to be Heather's mum, who is side note played by the mother from the Broadway production of Dear Evan Hansen, which again just makes me feel like I've been betrayed. Number one, she just sucks as a mother in general. She's neglectful and is basically entirely relying on 17-year-old Heather to raise her youngest child and is also dealing with heavy substance abuse issues, which yes, I understand is a tough thing, but don't bring it into the house and make that baggage that your children have to deal with. And two, most important for this episode, she straight up steals from her daughter and prevents her from going to college. She created an awful life for her kids and now is preventing them from leaving it. What kind of monster does that? I'm sorry, but I'm not here for her. 
Actually, I'm not sorry. She should be sorry. She was a way better mum to Ben Platt. Heather deserves better. Like, literally not stealing from your child is the bare minimum. All I'm asking is for her to be average. And then my next least favourite character is probably Jack Nicholson's son, Ray. We don't know much about him, but in every scene he is in, he says something overtly sexual and just oozes toxic masculinity. Just looking at him makes me want to take a shower. He kind of reminds me of Billy from Stranger Things when we first meet him in season two. Just like a sleazy, misogynistic mess. But I also feel like that's going to change. I feel like the show is going to convince us he has redeeming qualities or give him a rough backstory to trick us into excusing his behavior. So I guess watch this space. Is it going to be successful in changing my opinion of him? Probably not. But I think Panic's going to give it a red hot go. And then my final least favorite character is going to be Heather's friend Natalie. She was fine and in my good books for most of the episode until the end when she immediately went off at Heather for joining Panic without asking her why or thinking about anyone else other than herself. Clearly Heather's choice to participate is a complete 180 from her stance a few hours earlier. So wouldn't any good friend or any human being in general maybe ask why that is? Or at the very least, put two and two together that something major must have happened to get her to change her mind. I'm getting selfish vibes from Natalie. Like everything's a-okay when things are going away, but the second that changes, she just throws a hissy fit. All I can say is suck it up and find some empathy or at least vague interest in someone's life and experience other than your own. I could be being unnecessarily harsh, as all of this is just straight up character conjecture based on one conversation she had with Heather at the end, but for now, I'm standing by it. Natalie, do better, just for yourself, just as a human being. Have some self-respect and respect for those around you. Now, moving on to storylines I think will be expanded upon or should be expanded upon or what I want to see more or less of. Something I think that's going to be expanded upon is Heather's love life. A core YA trashy teen trope. I think there's going to be a classic love triangle. I didn't really get into it in my synopsis of the episode, but there is definitely some romance brewing between Heather and her friend Bishop. They do that thing that people on TV do where they finish a conversation and then just like awkwardly stare at one another for longer than necessary. But also, I think there's some potential romance between Heather and Jack Nicholson's toxic son, Ray. There have been some lingering glances, which again, a classic telltale TV sign that people are about to get it on. And it's a trope as old as time, choosing between the best friend and the bad boy. An iCarly, Freddy, and Beanie Baby bad boy love interest situation, a Lizzie McGuire, Gordo, and Paolo situation. We've seen it before and I'm ready to see it again. I also see something starting up between Natalie and that weird new guy Dodge. Again, there was a sensual glance. He looked at her for longer than necessary when she was walking up the hill to start the challenge. Yes, she was in a swimsuit, so maybe he was perving and that was actually just straight up harassment, but I feel like it's the classic teen show pilot set up for a hookup to come. I'm calling it now. But in terms of questions I want answered, in the short term, I want to know, will Heather survive post cliff jump? My guess is obviously yes. She's the main character. That would be a bold move to kill her off after the pilot. But at the moment, it's literally up in the air. And in the long term, I want to know who's going to win the game. You would be inclined to think it's Heather because that would be the most satisfying happy ending. But realistically, it should probably be that weirdly intense new guy, Dodge. 
He's got little to no emotion, which I think will get him far. Plus, he seems to be quite physically capable, so that right there, a winning psychopathic combo for a panic champion. And now, moving on to the next category, most problematic moments. Again, in brackets, if applicable, because I don't want to force there to be something on PC about it. I'm not looking for problems where there aren't any. And I would say on the whole that there aren't any. Despite the fact that it's small town Texas, there only really seems to be one sexist and chauvinistic group of very toxic masculine youths headed by Ray. But apart from that, everyone seems chill. And like I always say, the fact that Ray is seedy and gross and oozes misogyny is not indicative of the show's writing being problematic, as I don't think that he's a vehicle for the views and opinions held by the showrunners that they desperately want to convey. I think he's supposed to be a gross character, and honestly probably just a realistic example of the type of toxic human that small town America can produce. So moving along to what category of viewing is it? The three that I have set up for myself are trash, meaning that it's an awfully written show, treasure, meaning that it's impeccable and very well crafted, or guilty pleasure, meaning that it's kind of trashy, it's kind of bad, but I'm into it and feel a bit bad about the fact that I am so lured. You may have already guessed by the fact that I've used the word trashy about 40 times in this podcast so far, but I'm going to slot this into guilty pleasure. I've said it a bunch and I'll say it a bunch more, it's quite trashy, but also not trashy enough for it to actually be bad or unwatchable. Just trashy in a normal teen show kind of way. Trashy, but oh so compelling. What stops this from being a treasure for me is the fact that it does take itself quite seriously. Other teen shows that are similarly trashy but make fun of themselves for it and have a strong sense of self-awareness, I would normally classify as treasure within their specific genre of young adult viewing, because they're not trying to be something that they're not. But this show does have a touch of teen angst that prevents it from falling into that category. However, is it a bad show? Not at all. I think it's pretty good for what it is. And I definitely want to watch more, slash want them to make more, because I'm sure once I get to the end of season one, I'll want there to be a season two. But also, yes, I do feel slightly guilty for being so into it. Next up is viewing style. So who would I watch it with? Where would I watch it? And who would I not watch it with? AKA, what are my least and most ideal viewing circumstances? I think seeing as it does fit in that young adult trash category, take a shot every time I say the word trash, that this show is probably perfect for people between the ages of 15 and 30. Obviously you can still enjoy it if you're outside of that age bracket, but I'm just saying that that's probably the demographic. Like for instance, I don't think my mum would be a fan, but also saying that that's probably because of its high stakes intensity and not the fact that it's about techs and teens. Which brings me to my next point. If you have chronic anxiety, probably steer clear because this show will 100% flare it up in the same way that the movie Nerve does with Emma Roberts and Dave Franco. It's not exactly a chill or relaxing viewing experience. So be prepared to be stressed constantly. But in terms of ideal viewing experience, I guess either by yourself or maybe with friends. I'd probably choose by myself just because, as I said, I am like weirdly lured, lured to a strange extent. So if someone spoke through a scene, I'd probably lose it. And by lose it, I mean grow more and more silently angry. 
But for normal people who aren't as immediately invested, I could see this being a fun group viewing experience. So maybe do some introspection and find out the type of viewer you are and take it from there. Next up, penultimate question, will I keep going with the rest of the season? I think you know the answer, 100% yeah. It is definitely not the best show ever made, but in terms of low-key trashy teen fare, I'm so in. I want to know what happens immediately. I can see myself pulling an all-nighter and binging this without a break, like straight after I stop recording this episode. And then I can see myself getting immediately depressed because there's no season two as an immediate follow-up. Absolutely compelling viewing. So final question, rating out of five. I think I'm going to give Panic a three. As a show, it's not amazing, but it's still pretty good. However, as a viewing experience, it's great. It's the dramatic high-stakes trash you need in your life. Also, I think watching this just makes me feel better about the world that we live in. Like, yes, actual reality is completely broken right now and normality has been completely redefined, but at least I'm not competing with my peers to see who's going to survive the next 40 minutes. It really puts your struggles into perspective. So if you're down to become invested in the latest installment of teen trash that Amazon Prime has to offer, then I would say definitely give Panic a go. If you have an Amazon Prime membership, you're good to go. If you don't, I don't think it'd be that hard to find illegally online. And with that, I think that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you got something out of this mess of a podcast. And I will speak to you next week when I analyze something that I have not picked yet because as always, I'm disorganized. Talk to you then. Bye.